Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson. Thank you for downloading this episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. We are doing another huge core content episode this week. The approach to shortness of breath. And I really want to preface this episode by saying that we're keeping it really simple today. I'm not going to be talking about ABCs or immediate resuscitation because I actually did that a few months ago. I also want to have time to cover the specific treatments for each cause because, as you'll see, the differential is pretty much ginormous. Today we're focusing on a simple, general approach so that you can keep your thoughts together when you get these cases. And the main takeaway I want you to understand is that in order to address this chief complaint appropriately, you need to do an organized, anatomical approach your differential, your exam, your adjunct testing, all follows an organized anatomic approach. This is so important to understand. There are lots of things that cause respiratory distress, and it's really, really easy to miss stuff if you don't have a system. So let's get started. I'm going to show you how to do this. Step one is to consider your differential diagnosis using an organized anatomical approach. Upper airway, lower airway, alveoli, blood, blood vessels, heart. I mean, you can close your eyes and imagine this. You're thinking about that upper airway. Do you see any obstructions? Angioedema, foreign bodies. Do you see abscesses like peritonsillar abscess or retropharyngeal abscess? Is anything blocking the upper airway? In the lower airway, do you see irritated reactive passageways like with COPD or asthma? Down in the alveoli, do you see any pus or fluid suggestive of pneumonia or pulmonary edema? That's your lung side. Now squeeze through into that capillary bed. Is there even blood around? Or do they have anemia? Is the blood filled up with acids like during sepsis? or diabetic ketoacidosis that the patient is rapidly trying to breathe off? Do you see any toxins? Maybe aspirin? As you imagine the blood vessels, do you see a big pulmonary embolism? This is really important. We're going to talk about PE at the end. And then heart. Is it squeezing normally? Or do they have heart failure, ischemia, tamponade, that sort of thing? An organized anatomical approach. Step two. You also need to present your exam to the attending in that organized pattern. Upper airway. Did you hear strider, gurgling, or voice changes? Do you see any obstructions? That's upper airway stuff that your attending is looking for. In the lower airway, they want to know if you hear wheezing, which classically, though not always, suggests reactive airway disease, like COPD and asthma. Listen to the alveoli. Do you hear them crackling like you get with pneumonia or pulmonary edema? Examine the blood. Do they have pallor? Again, we're skipping PE for now. We're skipping blood vessels for now. And then finally the heart. Listen for arrhythmia. Look for things like jugular venous distension, edema, any evidence at all that the heart isn't pumping effectively. Present this in an organized anatomical pattern. Step three, recommend your tests. Unless the diagnosis is completely obvious, 
A typical workup is going to screen for issues on the lung side, usually with a chest x-ray. It's going to screen the blood with a CBC and electrolytes, and it's going to screen the cardiovascular side with an EKG. That's your average workup. But you can also add on some adjunct tests if you think they might be helpful. And again, stick to that anatomic pattern. If you're concerned about the upper airway, add on a lateral neck x-ray or CT scan, something like that. If you are concerned about the lower airway, you can consider adding something like a blood gas. Although I will say that COPD and asthma typically do not require a blood gas because the diagnosis is very clinical and labs are shown to be inferior to clinical appearance. You're going to see fluid and pus in the alveoli with that chest x-ray in the blood. You already have a CBC to look for anemia. You already have an electrolyte panel to look for acidosis and DKA and anion gaps. But you can do things like screen for toxins like aspirin. You can get a lactic acid if you think they might be septic, those sorts of things. We're skipping PE. And then last, the heart. You already have your EKG, but you can always add on a troponin. This assesses for myocardial damage. You can also add on a test called a BNP, brain natriuretic peptide, and this is for congestive heart failure. Chest x-ray, EKG, CBC, electrolytes, and then other adjunct tests as necessary. And then finally, step four, calculate your Wells score in PERC rule. If you want to get top one-third on your slow, you need to calculate something called a Wells score in PERC criteria and mention it in every single dyspnea presentation that you do. It's probably the most common PIMP topic this year because it tells you which tests to order for pulmonary embolism. If the Wells score, which is basically a risk stratification tool, says high risk for PE, Recommend the full CTA, which is basically a CT scan of the chest with a timed bolus of contrast into the pulmonary arteries. This is the definitive test for pulmonary embolism. If the Wells score is low risk, then you run through a list of PE rule-out criteria. These are called PERC criteria, P-E-R-C PERC criteria that you can find anywhere online. If they have a low-risk Wells score and they meet all of the PE rule-out criteria, no additional testing is indicated. But if they don't meet all of the PE rule-out criteria, that is when you get a D-dimer. And if the D-dimer is elevated, then the full CTA. Simple. That's your organized anatomical approach to shortness of breath. Think through your differential in an organized way. Present your exam findings in an organized way. Get your screening tests and then any other tests in an organized way. And then do your Wells score and PERC rule and put it in your presentation. I want to give a special shout out today to Sam and Brian. Both of these guys sent me emails with feedback about the podcast and a request for this specific episode, so I hope you guys found it helpful. 
If anybody else has feedback or episode suggestions, please email me at Zach at emclerkship.com, Z-A-C-K at emclerkship.com with your ideas and I will get back to you. Otherwise, until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.